Well, hey, church family, good morning. Janet and I are in New Jersey uh, spending time with a lead pastor and his wife and their board, their entire team, this weekend and Monday and Tuesday uh, to offer them some fresh perspective and some encouragement, some consulting. And so thank you for uh, sharing us with other churches. Uh, everyone wins uh, when the church gets better and we get to be a part of ministering to several other churches across the nation. And it is a joy uh, to be able to learn from them and maybe them learn a little bit from us. Uh, exciting to be there this weekend. In the meantime, I am also thrilled to introduce today. Today is a special treat because of two things. We continue on our series entitled When in Rome, going through the book of Romans, and we are, number one, turning an awesome corner. We are turning a corner where Paul has been talking about the power of sin and how we suppress the truth of God and reject the truth of God and replace it by being rebellious and being religious and being judgy and trying to dress ourselves in our own righteousness like I talked about last week. And we've turned the corner now, and today we are now getting into the part where Paul begins to unpack salvation. The beautiful gift of salvation, uh, how we receive it, what it means, what it looks like. And not only am I excited to announce that turn in today's uh, series, but also this is a second way that we have done, the, the second time we have done what we're calling 3-4-30. It's where we're going to take one message today, and we're going to have three speakers. Each are going to speak 10 minutes apiece if they go over 10 minutes, not 9.58, not 10.02, but at 10 minutes, if they're still going, they're going to get the... That's right. They're going to get the horn. Now, I've done that in faith because as we were recording this, I didn't have a horn to blow. So I'm, I'm assuming that they've just added the horn in post-production. So if I were to go... Then it worked. If not, I just look like I'm... Point nowhere. So, so hopefully that worked. Three speakers, ten minutes apiece, thirty minutes or less. So I want to be, I want to be right after it here as we jump into salvation from Paul's perspective in Romans chapter three. I want to introduce our first speaker today for the three four thirty. He is the director of media and communications has been on staff for many years, grew up in our church through our youth group, got called in the ministry through this church. Will you help me welcome my good friend, great team member, Chris Simmons. Give it up, everybody. Well, good morning, Timber Creek. We're so happy to get to share with you this morning. I want to say what's up to, obviously, here at our broadcast location in Lufkin, but what's up to Nacogdoches, Groves, online, all of our guys out at Dieball and Duncan. Uh, Timber Creek, let's welcome everybody in real quick. Man, love our church family. And I speak on behalf of Kelsey and uh, Courtney and myself and Pastor Jeremy, thanks for uh, the opportunity this morning uh, to continue in Romans and get to share a really powerful uh, message. Uh, last week, we, as Pastor said, we talked about the right way to righteousness. And this week, as we pick up in Romans 3, uh, 3, 23 through 31, Paul gets to lay out what that way looks like for us. So help me out. Uh, there, there's an old statement, help me finish it, where there's a will, there's a... And God, in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, decided that we, the people who have a tough time deciding where we're going for lunch, we, the people who forget to pick up our kids from, uh, from camp one time, we, in all of, our, all of our 
geniosity, is that a word maybe? I don't know. But in all of our smartness, I'll put it that way, we get to decide how we want to live. Oftentimes we choose our own way, our own sinful way, our own prideful way where we think that we know best. But we lay out in this chapter that there's also a different way. Last week, Pastor Jeremy showed us this about sin. What is sin? Sin is my way over God's way in any way. Sin is my way over God's way in any way. Sin is, is not the act I commit, but the authority I reject. Have you ever gotten your own way? For me, the, the times that I have are countless. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a regular thing, but especially as I was growing up, I'm a 13-year-old boy sitting in the back seat of my parents' car, and we're coming home uh, from, from dinner. And listen, as a 13-year-old, well, as a 31-year-old too, but mainly as a 13-year-old, I'm sitting here and I wanna talk trash to my dad. Dad, you're so old, I can't wait to fight you. I'm gonna knock you out. I can take you down any day that ends in Y. You just tell me when, let's go for it, let's set it up and let's do it. And he just says, he keeps driving and he knows my nonsense and my knuckleheadedness and he just says, I would watch what you say. I, I, be careful what you say, don't ask for too much here. You might wanna step out of your own way. Well, I keep talking and keep talking because I'm 13, I'm stubborn. I'm a real man, like, I think I got this, okay? Like, I feel like I'm ready to go. I get out the door and I forget all about that conversation. So I take a couple steps, a couple steps towards the front door after we pull into the driveway. And I'm looking, the sky's blue, everything's great, birds are chirping up in the air. And as I'm walking, I go from, from this position of being upright and great, within the next snap of a second, my face is buried so deep in the ground, it's halfway to China, and I'm just like, what in the world? And I look up my dad, he's like 6'4", like big dude. Like he's a big dude. He said, son, I warned you, don't bite off more than you can chew here. Get, get out of your own way. And in that moment, I got to realize what my front yard tastes like again. It was, it was a great experience. But we can get in our own way. And sin is us thinking that we know what's best and that we know the right way. But God's clearly laid out something different for us. Sin is my way over God's way in any way, but God gives us a way out, a way, a gift called salvation. And salvation is this, salvation is God's way for us to be saved. Salvation is God's way for us to be saved. And we're living here today, we're talking about salvation. Like this is one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible because God gives us a way out. Salvation's an incredible gift, and so today we're talking about it, but listen, whether you are new to a relationship with Christ, or you've been following him for 20 years, or you're still considering it, salvation's important because of this. Salvation is just the beginning of your spiritual journey, not the end. You haven't arrived once you've accepted Christ into your life. That's just the beginning, so I think there's a lot that we get to work out today when it comes to our salvation, because salvation is making the choice that, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, and I accept and I follow you, so let's talk about what following Jesus looks like. Following Jesus is this, God's way over my way in every way. Following Jesus is my way, or God's way, pardon me, God's way over my way in every way. And that's good news for us today. God has made a way for each of us. That's our first point. God has made a way. We look at Romans 3, 23 and 24. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Notice in there, if you show me the next slide, that everyone has sinned, 
and we all fall short. God knows who he's working with here. Everyone has sinned, that's a past tense. That's, that's in the past, that's what we have done. We all know in this room what we have done. But then when it says we all fall short, that's current, it's present tense. Present tense, so God knows who he's working with, that, that he understands his creation, and like sheep, we all go astray. Despite our imperfections, God has still made a way for us, and that's great news. Because, to be honest, let's, let's just be 100% real here today. When you came in the doors, you saw me and I saw you. I don't know the burdens that you're carrying. I don't know the, the, the situations that you're facing. I don't know the guilt and shame that you might be living in. I don't know what, what sin you're struggling with, and you don't know mine. We all come in this, in this room, as unique as we are, we all have different things going on. But God's made a way for us, and it's good news. It's good news because if I can simply tell you that, listen, God's not done with you. He hasn't given up on you. You're not a lost cause. You're not just trash. You're not done for it. He hasn't given up on you. It's not too late. For somebody in the room, he just told me to say that return to what God has promised you, what he's laid on your heart, what he spoke to you years ago that brought you hope and joy. It's not over. So stop taking yourself out of the game. God has made a way for us. Today, we can accept that God has made a way for us freely, freely. Yeah, just like the TurboTax commercial, free for free free. It's free for us to accept this way and embrace what God has for us. Verse 24 says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. But check out what it says in the message. Check out what it says here. It's just a great translation. Out of sheer generosity, he puts us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. A pure gift. Two sentences that are rich in insight. God's way for us is a gift that he gives. You know that gifts, a couple things about them. We love giving gifts to our kids. It's an awesome thing. But gifts aren't earned. If a gift is earned, it's a reward. But out of generosity, out of the generosity of God's heart, he gives us this gift. And while gifts can't be earned, they can be developed. They can be developed. I received a gift from my parents one time. To be honest, I haven't developed a whole lot from it. I mean, I've developed a lot of negative things. I've developed anger. I've developed frustration. I've de developed a library of Christian cuss words that's uh, up there with the best of them, I guess. I received it, and this is just one piece of it, but ever, ever played golf? Golf's a game that I hate, that I love. I hate that I love to play it. I'm not very good at it, but man, I like to play it, and I hate that. You would think it'd be so easy to get the ball from one spot to another in a couple strokes. For me, I just call it a nine and go into the next hole. Like, it's, that's all it is, okay? That's just what happens. We can view our, our salvation a lot like the game of golf, because when I first got the clubs, I loved playing. I loved playing. It was, uh, it was a blast. The, the, the clubs were real shiny. You'll notice the, these aren't. These are also like the Walmart special because I, I'm not an idiot. Like I know if I'm good, I'll get something, but I'm not good, so why can't I just play with these uh, little clubs here? But like when I first got the clubs, I loved to play and I played all the time. But over time, they kind of sat in the corner of my garage, collected some dust, collected some dirt. I would forget where the clubs went, where they even were. Our salvation can be like that at times because what we can do is we can think, oh wow, this is neat, this is great. 
It's awesome. But then maybe it starts taking a little bit too much of our time following, following Christ or costing us a little too much and we forget all about it. See, salvation is not us lining up the putt and sinking it in the hole. Salvation is so not that. We haven't arrived. Salvation is not us sinking the putt. In fact, salvation, salvation is this. Salvation is, is God now has a ball to put on the tee that he's ready to tee up for all of us. That we're sitting there and we're ready to be launched. We're ready to be used. God is ready to do something incredible with this. So our salvation is not sinking a putt. No, we're on the tee and we're ready to be used and hit and launched for our purpose. And so today, God has a way for all of us. Wow. Thank you, guys. Wow. Amen. Great job, Pastor Chris. Great job. So funny story. 13-year-old Chris um, still... Uh, makes a lot of, or 31 year old Chris still makes a lot of decisions that 13 year old Chris used to make. See, 31 year old Chris uh, told me that he could whoop me on any day that ended in Y also. And he's tried it three times, and there's video evidence of me rubbing his face in the carpet out in the foyer. If you would like to see it, send me an email. Great job, amen. All right, guys, our next, uh, next speaker, uh, her name is Kelsey Preston. She's on our central support team. She's over our team. She's over care. She's over connection. She does a phenomenal job here. Uh, one of my dear friends, uh, family friends, she is, uh, she's a credentialed uh, leader here. She is a wife. She is a mom. She is a devout servant of God and an amazing team member. And if you will, give a big round of applause for Miss Kelsey Preston. Thank you, Pastor Justin. And Chris, I don't know what's so hard about putt-putt golf. I'm, I'm pretty good at it, but I guess it makes you angry. Um, I'm just gonna jump right in because I only have 10 minutes and you heard the horn. We don't wanna hear it again, right? So um, number two, get ready, is it might seem obvious, but it's Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Number one was God will make a way. Number two is Jesus is the way. Now, as Pastor Justin said, I have three kids. Um, my oldest, we call her the wild one. My middle, we call her the red one because she has red hair and she's super shy. And then our youngest is the boy because he's the only boy. So that's what we call them. And a couple years ago, Cameron took our youth students on a missions trip to Chicago, left me home alone with three kids. I was like, no, nah, mm -mm, not doing this. So I packed him up. We drove up to uh, visit one of my good friends in Dallas, and she has two kids, two boys that are a little older than my daughters. And so as we're hanging out with them, she's like, hey, there's, we've got this really great playground in town. Would you like to go? I'm like, yeah, let's go to a playground. That's fun. So we get in the car. We all go up to the playground. My kids are like, yes. And I look at the playground, and I'm like, no, because it's huge like massive, like five stories, 15 slides, all these tunnels and uh, tubes and stairs and it's like a playground on steroids. It is every helicopter parent's worst nightmare. I walk up and I'm like, all right, we're doing this thing. Strap the boy in the stroller because he's like one and he's not gonna go anywhere. And so we're, we're playing and um, I am the type of parent, I get in the way of your kids at the playground because I'm a helicopter parent. I'm like, oh, okay, let's all stay together. Let's go this way. And um, 
my, my friend that I was visiting, is she's more of a free-range parent. She's like, let him go play, it's fine. Let's go sit on the bench. I was like, I'm not gonna sit on the bench. But I was like, okay. So we were standing by the playground and I'm pushing the stroller and we're chatting and every now and then I look over, I'm like, okay, one, two, three, four. I'm counting her kids, because she's not. And um, I'm good, I'm like, okay, we're good and we're still chatting and I look up again and count them, they're all there. We're chatting and I, I guess I got lost in conversation or, or something, but uh, the next time I look up and I count, I'm like, one, two, three, hmm, where's, where's the red one? I'm like, do you see, do you see Cammie? She's like, no. She's like, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not. And so I'm starting to look, I'm like, Cammie, Cammie, I can't find her. I'm, I'm getting, my heart rate's going up and I'm like, Cammie, you know, your voice gets high when you're a little nervous. And, I'm like, I can't find her, I'm climbing on things, and finally I'm getting scared. I'm like, Cammie! Like, I, I, you know, you little guttural scream. Parents are like, what's happening? Come on, kids, let's go this way, because I'm starting to freak out. And finally, what feels like an hour, or two, or a million, is really like t- two minutes, and Cammie's little head, and she pops up, and she's like, hi, Mom, and I'm like, Cammie! And I grab her, and I hold her, and I'm like, you're safe, you're here, I love you. And she's like, Mom, okay. Um, even at like four, she had sass. Um, but anyway, she, she was like, I'm fine. She didn't know she was lost. I knew she was lost, but she didn't know she was lost. And I think sometimes for us as, as God's creation, as humanity, we don't realize we're lost sometimes, or a lot of times, right? We don't realize that we're a little bit in need of a, not a crazy helicopter parent like me, but maybe one that's doing a little counting, you know, one, two, three. And so in uh, Romans chapter three, verse 25, where Chris left off, it says, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. Sin, again, it's choosing my way over God's way in any way. And so it causes this separation between us and God. We are no longer able to have an intimate relationship with him. It goes on to say in 25, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. See, Jesus, his sacrifice reconciles us, brings us back to God. It, it's as if there was a bridge built over our separation from God. And now we can have that relationship with him because Jesus was the, old, or was the ultimate sacrifice. You see, in Old Testament law, one of the um, books I read before it, uh, studying for this message, it said there was no room for repentance. It was do this. And the only penance, the only way we could kind of have a temporary covering was, was a sacrifice, like of our our first fruits, our grain, or, or um, animal sacrifice. Now, we don't do that anymore, thankfully, because um, that'd be kind of weird. Um, but it goes on to say, this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in the past. Now, there was a lot of sin. If you read through the Old Testament, there was a lot of sin. People, God's people, sinned a lot. And... You know, he could have completely wiped them off the face of the earth. In fact, he almost does that one time. In Genesis 6, it's the story of Noah. Read it if you haven't, it's a great story. But it actually says that God regretted making man. 
because of the sin problem. And, but he found favor, Noah found favor in God's eyes. And so he saved him, he told him to build an ark, the rain came, the flood happened, everyone was gone but Noah and his family. And God, God makes him a promise. He says, I'm never gonna do that again. I'm never gonna wipe humanity off the earth. Instead, I'm gonna reconcile them to me. I'm gonna restore humanity. Now I think, you know, it's like as if those people, they didn't, they didn't care. But God wants us to know that we grieve him when we're separated from him. You know, I think God misses walking in the garden with his people when he first created humanity. You know, Cammy, like I said, she didn't realize she was lost, but because I love her, I searched for her. I looked for her. And one of the thoughts that came through my mind, because I'm a worst case scenario kind of a person, was, man, I'm never gonna get to hold her hand again. Now, I was a little more panicked than that, but that was a thought, and, okay, um, and, um, sorry, that was a little distracting. But um, I, I panicked, but you know what? I think God, God misses holding humanity's hand in the garden. In, in the garden, when God first created Adam and Eve and they ate the fruit, they sinned, they, they, they got scared and so they tried to cover themselves. You see, humanity's been doing this forever. They've tried to cover themselves and God says, no, no, let me cover you. And in the Old Testament, the first sacrifice was God sacrificing an animal to cover. But he made a way for repentance, for us to ask for forgiveness, because Jesus, Jesus is that sacrifice. That's why there's so much power in the name when we sang that song this morning of worship. It's why we can speak Jesus, because his name is so powerful. He made a way for our sin to be wiped clean. In verse 26, for he was looking ahead and included them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Righteousness or just means to be made right. Pastor Jeremy always says to be presentable or to pass inspection. God is good because he, he didn't only cover those that sinned in the current day of Jesus, but it, um, Cameron makes me watch Marvel movies, not makes me, I'm kind of into them now, but imagine with me if it was like a beam of forgiveness went to the past and covered Adam and Eve and Moses and all of them, and a beam of forgiveness of like light, I'm imagining, um, covered me and you guys. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that God had the, the foresight to do that. Um, I was listening to a podcast and John Maxwell, he's like a leadership guru, he was talking about how Jesus' death and atonement, it's like as if it was a cloak that we can put on, we can put on Jesus' righteousness, that God, when he looks at us, he sees through the lens, through the filter of Jesus. And isn't that great? I just wanna be able to put that cloak on. That was better than uh, last service. Great job. The goodness of God, to, to have a father that, that counts, that, that looks on and, and doesn't miss. I mean, that, let that resonate in your heart as, you're, as, as they're talking about, 
a salvation, that we have a, a father, a loving Abba father that loves us so much that he doesn't miss. He would never leave one of his sheep behind. Great job, Kelsey. Um, our last speaker uh, is Courtney Mendoza, Pastor Courtney Mendoza. She is on our central team, uh, and she runs all of our business ops uh, at, at Timber Creek. She really helps keep the uh, train going down the tracks. She's one of uh, my mentors. I was able, had the uh, privilege of serving with her before I ever come on staff and huge influence in my life. An amazing uh, leader at our church and in our community. She is a wife to Jonathan Mendoza who's also on staff. A mom, a friend, uh, just one of the most spectacular people you'll ever meet. And if you will, give a big welcome to Pastor Courtney Mendoza. Thanks, Pastor Justin. All right, guys, we are going to jump into the last section of this passage as we are closing down Romans chapter three. And what Paul is doing is he's about to circle back around to some of the questions that he asked in the earlier section on sin. He's coming back to the ways that people try to achieve righteousness. In Romans three, verse 27, Paul writes, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal, remember Paul's a lawyer here, he's making his case. Our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. So like a lawyer making his case, he wants to make sure that the judge and jury hear the most important facts. Can humans do anything to be made right with God? The answer is no. He comes back to the law because the law was something that the Jews put so much stock in. We've got this list from God. We've got this checklist that makes us right with him. The Jews viewed themselves as having VIP status, an inside track with God. And Paul sets the record straight. God isn't the God only of the Jews. He's the God of all people. The King of kings and Lord of lords is the God of the Jews who had access to the law that gave them a temporary solution to the sin problem. And he's the God of everyone else who had no idea what the law was. And that's some really good news because that's the Romans to whom Paul is writing this letter. And it's also you and me. God has made a way for everyone to be saved. You see guys, for many of the Jews, religion had become a roadblock to true relationship with God. They were so caught up in the boxes that they checked. And we can fall into that same trap. Even non-religious people, you might hear say, I'm a good person because of these good deeds that I've done. And we as believers, even as Christians in church, we can get caught up in a checklist and feeling like that's what makes us right with God. I grew up in church and I remember moments where I was relying on the checklist. One of the items on the checklist was church attendance. Were you there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Bonus points if you were there for both services on Sunday morning. I checked that box. Didn't have a choice, my parents kind of made me, but. Another box that I checked was called Junior Bible Quiz. You've probably never heard of this. It's basically UIL competition for church kids. And 
what was really cool is I actually learned tons of things about the Bible and memorized scriptures that I still know today because of being involved in that. But there were moments where I was way more focused on making sure that I knew the right answer so that I would be doing well and not let my team down in the competition on Saturday than learning God's word so that it would get in my heart and I would know him better. I had to check that box and make sure that I did it well. Another box that I checked was called Missionettes. Back in the day, on Wednesday nights, we had Royal Rangers for boys, Missionettes for girls. There were different classes for different grade levels, and one of the classes was called Stars, and it went over three grade levels, and if you finished all three years, you got to become an honor star. Well, for a period of time, we didn't do Royal Rangers and Missionettes on Wednesday nights, and when we resumed that, I only got to do two of the three years, so I never became an honor star. And I went on to Bible college at a school in our fellowship, and I was talking with someone one day, sharing some of the things that I was involved in in school, and this person was shocked to discover that I was not an honor star. It was like my status went down in their eyes. I only kind of checked that box. And that's a funny example, and I don't regret being involved in every opportunity that I had to be involved at church. If you're gonna be involved, be involved at church. I regret the moments where it became about checking off the list. I regret the moments where I looked at those things as the things that made me right in God's eyes. And the same is true for us today. Let us not fall into checking these boxes and saying, this is what makes me right with God. This is what gets me into heaven. Another version of Romans 3.28 says it this way, God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. Paul's point is this, our salvation is not in something we can do. Our salvation is in what Jesus has already done. So how do we access this salvation? Because we've learned that God has made a way, as Chris shared with us. We've learned that Jesus is the way, as Kelsey shared. But knowing these things does not make us right with God. Knowing that truth is not salvation. So now Paul shows us how we step into the way that God has provided through Jesus. In verse 30, he says, there is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jew or Gentile. So number three, we have to understand that putting my faith in Jesus is my only way. The only way that we receive salvation is by putting our faith in Jesus. And it's not my grandma's faith, it's not my spouse is saved so I'm covered. We have to put our personal faith in Jesus. This concept of faith is so important to Paul that in this opening statement on the salvation section of Romans, he uses the word for faith in the original Greek eight times. So it's probably pretty important that we understand what faith really is. Faith means to be persuaded, to come to trust, conviction of the truth, belief. So faith means that we are so convinced of the truth that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died on the cross and rose from the grave so that we can be saved from our sins. We're so persuaded and convinced of that truth that we put our full trust, our full faith in him. Paul writes in another letter, 
for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Faith is a gift from God that we choose to accept. Paul's saying in that passage, don't get it twisted, even faith, even the ability to accept the gift of salvation is a gift that God gives us. The Bible says no one comes to God without the Holy Spirit first drawing them. Faith, even faith itself is a gift that God has given us. So in the last verse of Romans chapter three, Paul says, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Well, what are you saying, Paul? Because you just said that it doesn't really matter about the law, and now you're saying we need to fulfill the law. What do you mean? One commentator explains it this way. The purpose of Mosaic law, that's the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, is fulfilled and its place in God's total plan is confirmed when it leads an individual to faith in Jesus Christ. Everything that was written before, everything that God gave as a temporary solution to the sin problem pointed to Jesus. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He came to give us an opportunity to follow Jesus, to choose God's way over my way in every way. You see, God's word teaches us about God and how we can live for him, and it's not about checking all of the boxes. Jesus invites us into a relationship where because we're accepted, we desire to live like him. We desire God's way over my way in every way. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we accept his gift of salvation, through his death and resurrection, we get a brand new way of life. God's way is so much better than our way in every way. This is actually what the rest of the book of Romans is about. Paul's made his case, we're all sinners, we need a savior. That savior is Jesus. Amen. Great job, Pastor Courtney. Great job. So as we wrap up today, um, this statement or this thought, the single most greatest, most valuable, most expensive gift known to man is completely free. I wanna say that one more time. I, I, I lean into the idea that the greatest gift man could ever receive is the most expensive gift ever purchased. It is the greatest gift man will ever know and it cost us nothing. It cost Jesus everything. And that gift is freely available to each and every one of us today. So with the topic of salvation, with this amazing message that we've heard today, uh, Pastor Courtney said that salvation doesn't happen without a drawing from the Holy Spirit. And there is a salvation of saying, this is the, the first time I'm making the decision for the first time uh, to choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
And that is a drawing from the Holy Spirit. There's also a drawing from the Holy Spirit of, of maybe you've been saved and, and you're sitting here saying, yeah, God really resonated something in my heart and I know that I need to realign some things in my life and I want to recommit that, that my life to Christ as God is my personal Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit loves us so much. He's so compassionate for us and so passionate about his children as he counts our heads daily and our hearts daily. He draws us to him. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. If you would, just everybody bow your heads, please. And in this, uh, in this message today, if God really spoke something to your life and, and you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't want to take another step today. I don't want to make another move without knowing that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. I, I don't want to live another day with, with that doubt. I just ask that you gently raise your hand real quick. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you, do you know that when you make that decision, it says that the heavens celebrate. If you're sitting here today and you said, you know, I've, I, 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 I've received salvation, but I haven't been living the life that God's called me to live. And I want to make that commitment. I want to make that, that step in the right direction. And I, and I know God's calling me today to recommit my will to his will, to realign my life with God's life. I just ask that you gently raise your hand. Wow. Hands all over the room. Thank you, Lord. If you would, put your hands down. I, I, I want to pray over us real quick as we, as we wrap up, okay? Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to freely come into your house. God, hear your word in a unique way, God, and it still translates the same. It translates, God, that, that you love us, that you love mankind so much that you sent your one and only son to pay a price that we couldn't pay, to offer a gift that we couldn't earn. And God, as, as, as people have received for the first time or a fresh time today, that relationship with you, the word says that the heavens are celebrating, that, that, that it says every time a lost soul comes to the Father, that, that the heaven throws a party. And God, because someone today, multiple people have chosen Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, there is a party going on in heaven right now. Thank you for that deep love you have for your children. Thank you, God, that, that you offered us the most priceless gift. And God, you asked one thing. God, that we lean in and trust you and believe in you and profess with our mouth that you are Lord and Savior. Thank you for offering your son as the greatest living sacrifice and the greatest gift man will ever know in Jesus' name. Amen.